Gear up as Katz Miller and his team of accomplished guests steer you on an enlightening voyage filled with valuable tips, fresh insights, and effective strategies. Welcome to Marketing Masters, the Agency Power Show. Hello, everyone. My name is Cash Miller. I am the host of Marketing Masters, CEO of Titan Digital. Today, I've got with me Philip Steeman. He is a technical SEO guru. We're going to be talking about low-hanging fruit because SEO... Yeah, you know, there are so many aspects to it, but there are a number of opportunities, depending on what you're using for your content, um, to be able to rank, be able to pull traffic. But you've got to know how to, you know, where to look for these opportunities because everybody thinks of home pages or they think, you know, local SEO and ranking, you know, Google Maps and stuff like that. But there are opportunities um, that you can use if you can identify them. And then if you do it right, technical SEO really matters. And we'll explain what that means. You know, Philip, it's great to have you on. Uh, tell us a bit about yourself and what you do. Thank you, Cass. Thank you for having me on. So yeah, uh, I'm Philip and uh, I'm all about SEO, especially the technical part. I have a background as a, as a programmer and I still do a little programming, but especially within WordPress, uh, where I also have all of my SEO work and on a daily basis, I just work with SEO a lot, both on my own websites, but I also have clients that I help uh, optimize their websites, both the content part and all of the technical parts. And I love SEO tools. I do SEO tool reviews as well. And I love to have tools that can just help me automate all of these manual processes you often have with SEO. Yeah, there's a ton of... Um tools that are out there it seems like every day there's some you know and there's a lot of tools that do the same kind of things yeah but depending on you know each one's going to be a little different it's going to be a little bit of just what your preferences are and of course each one depending on what you're asking it to do or needed to do there's a certain level of effectiveness you know not all tools are you just because you have one doesn't mean it's really great you know to use it may not you know provide the accurate data that you want now philip let's let's start by um like educating people that might not know, because, you know, typically our audience is business owners. And, you know, what does technical SEO actually mean? Because that's the foundation. If you're going to look for low hanging fruit, you know, opportunities, first, you got to know how do you really go through and optimize a page and, you know, what the technical side involves. Because I know when we deal with clients, you know, we have to explain to them, like, what are we even doing? You know, because SEO from a business owner standpoint, because they don't do this on a daily basis, can be, um, you know, really kind of, <laughs> it, it seems like, you know, we're waving a magic wand or something or what are we, you know, so what are we actually doing in the background when we're doing technical SEO? Yeah, exactly. Exactly what you say. It's not the visual part. You can't see what it is that's being done, but it's mm -hmm. everything that supports your content and makes it rank better. So within technical SEO, we talk about caching, we talk about image optimization, and all of these terms might to some seem scary, but they can often be solved super easily. Sometimes it does take a little extra, but often it's super easy. Um, as mentioned, I love to use WordPress and it's my go-to for whenever I work with websites. And I saw, I read a, an article the other day that it's basically powering almost 50% of the World Wide Web today. It's incredible. Pretty much. And it, yeah. yeah. And it, it just continues to grow. So, so that's also based on that, that I have my knowledge. Um, if, we, if we try to dive into it, um, for instance, if you have a website, you've written content and it loads super slow for multiple reasons, that's a huge red flag for Google and for the user experience of, uh, of the website as well. 
So it's super important to optimize these elements and put yourself in the, in the user perspective of reading your website and comparing it to your competitors. So what I often like to do if I have to look at the technical aspect of a website is to run a Google PageSpeed report. That's probably, that's my go-to tool. And that's often where I start to see what is wrong with the website. And in this Google PageSpeed report, you will get a lot of words that might not make sense, but a lot of them can be solved with adding a few plugins. For instance, Google PageSpeed report can find that your images are not being lazy loaded. They're not optimized. They're not using the right size and all of these elements. And some of my favorite plugins using WordPress is ShortPixel for image optimization and WP Rocket for caching. Mm -hmm. And ShortPixel, I'm pretty sure you can start using it for free. I think you can optimize either 100 or 1,000 images per, per month or something like that if you want to test it out. Um, but what I really like about ShortPixel is that, first of all, you can compress your images to a format called AVIF which is a newer format than WebP and it's much more compressed and you still keep the quality of the images. That's the image compression part that makes your images take less space, Space, sorry, so your images loads faster. The other part is the lazy load of the images. ShortPixel also takes care of this. And then they have this new, it's not new feature anymore, but they have added this feature where they automatically resize the image for you. So imagine that you have an article and you're loading an image that is so much too big for the article, then ShortPixel will automatically resize the image to make mm -hmm. it even smaller. So for me, Short ShortPixel is just the ultimate plugin for, for handling the, the image optimization. And if we can dive a little bit into the caching part, um, caching is basically taking a copy of your website and putting it on a server to load much faster the next time you visit the website. And here, WP Rocket is, again, the ultimate plugin. There are other free plugins because WP Rocket is a, a premium plugin, but it's definitely the best in, in class based on the test that I have done on multiple uh, caching plugins. You can also use WP3 cache, mm -hmm. um, and there are a couple of other plugins. But if you want to start super simple and really just optimize your website to perform as best as possible in search these two plugins alone it will take you so far and it's it's such a great start and especially with wp rockets there are almost no settings you need to enable before it's just running it's really just from the get-go you get a great start and you will see if you run a google page speed report before and a google page speed report after then you will see a huge difference we can maybe leave the link to a google page speed report if uh, if yeah. people don't know where to find that yeah, one of the things, so for those that, you know, um, weren't totally following that, you know, the best example is, you know, Philip mentioned images, okay? So I'm going to give it, you know, to give you kind of a working example of why this really matters is you have, um, let's say that you have an office assistant, marketing assistant, whatever it might be, that is, you know, in the... Um, they're doing your blog posts. Okay. So when they, or, you know, do a blog post, they're writing the content, they're loading it into WordPress, they're adding images, but often they're not, they're not taking the time to compress. They're grabbing maybe something off Adobe stocks, iStock, whatever it might be. So they're putting a, an image to the, 
the post, which is, yes, you want to do that. And you can um, you can put the keywords into the alt text of the image and stuff. But the, the problem is going to be that image size. When you know those images are loaded into different file folders within the website. And so if the page is loading, it's got to pull the image. And this is where caching helps and stuff. But you've got to pull that image. And the image size because it's so large, it's trying to pull a larger file. And images can be compressed quite a lot, okay? Because you don't need um, what would be considered a print quality image, you know? So you can compress the file size down. So you're making a smaller file. So imagine on your computer, you know, you try to load up, you know, a program that take and it takes longer. Well, it's a larger program. It takes, it's got more storage. It's got a bigger, you know, it's a bigger file and everything. And that's the problem, okay? So, you know, you have the same problem with the images and, you know, other aspects of a website, but images are a big culprit for slowing it down, especially if you have three or four or five, you know, because you might have different examples. Your blog post might be 1500 words and have five you know, images. And if they're not compressed, that post is going to load slow. And then Google's going to essentially penalize you for that. But that can be, you know, so that's what we see a lot of is it's somebody that does not know to do this is the one, you know, potentially writing the posts, loading them on the website, getting them published. But they don't know that these things need to be fixed. And so you end up, you know, do this over, you know, 20 posts or something. Well, you know, you're you're adding to your problem every time that, you know, they put a piece of content on the website. So you want to be able to deal with that. And it's, when I say the tools themselves are simple. You can you you can really compress images down and then you load them. <laughs> you know, then you put them on the website. Uh, and it's going to help a lot, but there's some things that are like, they have to be kind of standard practice, you know, that you do this. So whoever's doing it, you know, they should be, um, set up to make sure it's done correctly. So, true. yeah. And, and the great thing about, sorry, uh, the great thing about using plugins like this is that it happens completely automatic as, as long as you have set it up from the start and you don't have to think about it anymore. Mm -hmm. That's, that's fantastic. Yeah. So now let's talk. Okay. You know, let's talk low hanging opportunities because, you know, especially with blog posts, often that's going to be, you know, the kind of content that you can use to go after these low hanging opportunities. And what we mean by that is stuff that you have a chance for ranking quickly for, you know, like you have less competition, uh, competition in the field and that, but then there's also, you know, potentially a decent number of searches going on you know, for that, but there's nothing that's really strong against it. So Philip, why don't you take us through what that, you know, like if you're looking for those opportunities, what does your process look like to find them? Yeah, let's do that. I, like I see, I see two methods here. I see both if you have a piece of content that you want to optimize because you want it to rank higher or you want to start a completely new, uh, new content piece. And to start with the optimization process, it's funny because the other day, then I was uh, optimizing one of my own blog posts. It was ranking at that point 28, I believe. And I made very small changes. It took less than 20 minutes. And the next day it was ranking number 15. So these low hanging fruits take often no time and you get so much out of it. Um, the way I like to, to optimize my blog post is, of course, I like to let it lay for some time. So that means that I, when I write the blog post, I want to Google to index it and figure out where I want to put my blog post in the, in the SERPs. This can often take up to a year. Then after that year, then I like to optimize it. And the way that I do it is that I simply look in the SERP 
in the search results page. And then I see what are my competitors writing about that I'm not writing about. And it can be as little as uh, one section you are missing or one angle of the topic that you're not covering. That is the reason why you're not ranking in the top five, for example. So that is a very small thing that you can do to optimize your content and make it rank higher. It really doesn't take more than that. You often just have to look at the top three ranking on your keyword for the blog post you want to optimize. And then often you can, you can rank higher. That is, that is the optimization process. Um, if you have to start a new blog post, you definitely want to, as Cash said, find a keyword that has low competition and of course some searches. And the thing is, if you use a, a keyword research tool like Ahrefs or SEMrush or Low Fruits, for example, often they will tell you that there are no searches on specific keywords. So when you go out to find your keyword, it's super important that if you use tools or if you just use Google by itself, you really have to use common sense as well. You're the one who knows your niche or your industry the best. So if you think that a specific keyword has searches, even though a tool says it doesn't have, then it most likely have a lot of searches. So it's super important to combine your knowledge with mm -hmm. whatever tool you're using, whether it's Google or a um, keyword research tool. But what I like to use is uh, Low Fruits. And Low Fruits is a keyword research tool that uses Google Auto Suggest. And Google Auto Suggest is when you go into Google and you start writing your question, then Google is trying to suggest you what question it is that you want to search for. And this is exactly what Low Fruits does as well. So for example, using Low Fruits, and it's completely free to use, you can enter a C keyword. And a C keyword can be, for example, if I have an industry about uh, flowers, for example, then a C keyword can be a sunflower, it, as simple as that. And then I can enter that C keyword, and then I'll get most likely thousands of keywords. And the thing is then that you have a lot of filter criteria, but what you want to look for are long tail keywords, often keywords consisting of two, three, four words. And I like to start with questions because they're easy to write articles and often mm -hmm then the higher authority websites in your industry hasn't covered those long tail questions because they want to cover the keywords that has a lot of search volume. And when you basically have filtered out through uh, low fruits, then you will have a bunch of keywords that you can pursue. And the way that I like to look at it is that even though low fruits or whatever keyword research tool you're using is telling you that the competition is low, I really like to double check it by simply searching in Google and then see does anyone cover the subject? And if they do, are they a high uh, authority website in your industry? Because what you will often see is that a website covering a subject are not covering the subject either like you want to cover it because you have more knowledge than them, or then they have taken a completely different angle. And that that's that's the processes that, that I would go around. Yeah, like... Typically, whenever we're looking for something that's low hanging, you know, we're definitely looking at that competition. So you actually want to search for whatever it is you want to write about because you want to see, you know, and some some sites are obvious and some are not, you know, as far as how strong they are. But, you know, depending on what you're writing about, you, you're looking for authority sites, sites that you recognize is one of the things, you know, just common sense. You know, like if I write a art, uh, business article and you know, whatever topic I'm covering management or something, you know, and then I go and I look for that same, um, you know, whatever the keyword is I'm targeting and like 
Philip said, you want to go after the like those longer tail keywords because the shorter, the more competition you're going to have. Um, longer is going to be more of an opportunity because you're and you are hitting a specific angle for that topic. But if I write that article and I go in and then I see Forbes has got one and Inc's got one and Fortune magazine's got one, and so I've got no chance at beating them out, you know, and it's so I'm wasting my time. And that's the thing is you want to be, you know, so and they will typically be going after stuff that's got a lot of searches. So they're going to keep more of a a lot of times a broader base of the topic itself, you know, because they want to they want that shorter form of it because, you know, you don't whenever you're doing something like you're optimizing a post you're typically not optimizing for one specific keyword you have a number of phrases that are related to the keyword depending on how you do your wording the length of your title and stuff where you actually might be hitting three or four different things and so you could say see that same piece of content so change your search slightly and you'll see that content come up again now it may not be in the same spot within the results it could be a little higher or lower than you know your previous search but you have to consider that you know who are you going against? Because there are some people, you know, some sites you're just not going to beat out. You know, if your site is not already getting a, a lot, you know, a lot of traffic, you know, so you're not necessarily the same kind of authority ranking, then you're going to have a problem. You know, so that's one of the things you really want to consider is, let me say, how who are you competing against? And then we always like to see, you know, how much in the way of results there are, because, you know, some of them can be daunting. You know, Google's kind of changed where they're doing this infinite scroll type deal um, now versus page one, page two, page three. Because some of the results, when it shows you individual pages, like the, you know, 10, 10 results per page, some of those results, I mean, you would see, you would see 100 million pages. Now, you don't have 100 million pages that are all written about this particular topic. You know, Google's just giving you back things that maybe even mention it. You know, so... You know, there you really though need to look at who are you going to compete against. Absolutely. Um, when you're actually looking for, you know, keywords themselves, the topics that you'll go after, you know, and if you are looking for some search volume, what do you, you know, find is like a number that you're typically trying to target? Because, you know, we know that, you know, going after something, you know, it's great on the surface. Hey, this thing gets 10,000 searches. But the reality is, is you're probably not going to be able to rank for that. So where, where's kind of your sweet spot of, you know, when you're picking out um, topics? Yeah. It, it really correlates with the domain authority that, that the project is working on. So the higher authority the website is that we are going to write a blog post for a keyword are, the higher the search volume we can also pursue. Because if you have a small mm -hmm. website with a low authority, even finding keywords where the keyword tools, they state that there are maybe only 50 searches per month, that's enough for me. Then, uh, then I'm going to pursue the keyword. Because as, as you say, Cash, when you write an article for a keyword, that article is most likely going to rank for maybe 10, 20, 50 other terms as well that's going to drive traffic to that article. So that's, that's my sweet spot for a low uh, authority website, around 50 searches. But often then, uh, even though it says 50 searches, then it's just a lot more because you are ranking for more keywords. And that's very important to, to remember. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you've got a lot of variance um, there. But again, it, you know, like Philip just said, 50 searches, it doesn't sound like a lot. But what you also have to keep in mind is there's an accumulation of things, you know, so you have 
various versions of the keyword that you'll also show up for. So you can end up with more traffic than the 50 would, you know, um, on the surface look like you're going to get. But you also, the, any of this stuff is a long game. So you're building up, it's an accumulation of content over time that you get a little on this one, you get a little on the next one, a little on the next one, and so forth. You know, so as you build up more content, you start to see the traffic growth. You know, because you're, and as long as you're ranking for that content, that's why each piece matters because you're looking at, it's the sum, it's not the uh, individual parts, it's the the sum of them all that makes the difference. Absolutely, yeah. And I think it's also important to to remember that sometimes you really have to ask yourself if you're about to pursue a keyword now that AI is everywhere. It's so important to ask yourself, can an AI answer this question super easy? Because then it will basically waste your time if you can't put an angle on that an AI can't. You really need yeah. to find your unique angle to to answer these queries. Yeah, you definitely have to do that as well. Um, when it comes to actual optimization of pages, what are some of the key things that people need to be making sure that they do? Besides the technical, we're going to speed up the page. What about when we're actually optimizing the content? Yeah. So um, I think there, there are two elements. There's, of course, the content itself, and then there is the UX part of the content. Um, the more appealing and, and the easier your website is to use and to read, the more uh, traffic you will get, basically, because people will like to be there. And the more people who are visiting your website and your specific blog post, the more people will be sent from Google to that blog post, because user experience is a super important ranking factor. Um, and uh, that can be done super simple. Uh, you just need to really have a simple navigation, simple website, simple content. Make sure that your your reading viewport is not too wide because it makes it look like it's a lot of content to read. Make sure to break up your paragraphs, make short paragraphs so it's easier to read. And then it's important that you cover the topic from all angles. And there are a ton of tools that can help you with this, but the most simple way is just to search for your query in Google and then see what areas and what topics within your topic are your competitors covering. And then make sure that you are also covering those topics. Um, for example, I, I like to write a lot of uh, SEO tool reviews because that's also what I do on my, on my YouTube channel. And here it's often the same topics that goes again. It's like, I have to cover the pricing area. I have to cover all the features. I have to cover the support. But sometimes then either I miss a section or one of my competitors has added a section I haven't thought about and then he ranks above me. And that's why it's super important to check the SERP both for the content and then check your own website for the user experience. Ask yourself, is this easy to navigate? Is it easy to read? Do I have to break up my paragraphs? Do I need to work with more spacing? It really doesn't take much more than that. You don't have to find a complete new design that is award-winning. It just needs to be easy to read, and that's so important. Right. Yeah, so, you know, you've got tons of opportunities, you know, throughout any page. But, you know, and these tools are really, you know, going to matter. Uh, let's take a minute and go through... Um, some of the tools that, you know, the, just the top recommendations, because like as an agency, we use, you know, um, SEM Rush, you know, and, you know, we've used a, uh, AREFs in the past and things like that. But go through a couple of the primary tools you use and what they do. Yeah, definitely. All right. So um, 
as I've mentioned earlier, low fruits is my go-to for keyword research. I really like Ahrefs as well because they just have a huge uh, database of keywords. I really like that as well. But low fruits approach is different from Ahrefs because Ahrefs, they have their own database of keywords and low fruits use Google or suggest to find keywords. So low fruits is definitely my go-to for keyword research. Um, then I also like to use a site audit tool. And here I actually use Ahrefs. And this is completely free to sign up for. And I've tried on the plus side of 15 site audit tools and Ahrefs is just the best. It's the most thorough and it goes in depth with your website. And it basically tells you if you have some links that are broken or some images are not optimized or you're linking to a website where there is a redirect or you have a wrong redirect, all these small things that you can't keep up with. It's impossible to keep up with. Uh, Ahrefs is scanning your website every week and telling you what it is that you need to fix. And then I like to use a content optimization tool as well. I like to use phrase. I use a uh, phrase probably 95% of the times. And the last 5% I use a tool called Market News. But phrase, I basically use to write my content in. So that means that I enter my search query when I'm about to write a blog post. And then phrase tells me all the different terms that I need to include in my article. And this is a way that I'm sure that I'm covering the subject from all angles, I'm taking everything into consideration. I do still check the SERP to see if there's something I've missed, but it's a great start to write a well SEO optimized article. Um, I think, I think, yeah, I think that's that's my my top tools that I'm using. Cool, yeah. Like there are so many, you know, I say tools. There's a lot of them out there, but they're all going to have different uses, different, you know, um, effectiveness and such, you know, such. So you want to keep that in mind. And, you know, these tools take the, each one of them, they do have a little bit of a learning curve. You know, some are fairly simple out the gate, but a lot of them are not. Um, you know, so it really is beneficial if you take the time to dive into the tool and understand really what it can do, because if, you know, if you're paying for something, you should be, yeah, investing your time into making sure you can maximize what you're paying for. Because we see a lot of people, you know, they get a tool, they either it can be, it looks on the surface to be kind of complicated, but most of these tools have a lot of, um, you know, video tutorials to help you learn them quickly and be able to maximize their value. Exactly. You know, so true. Um, do you have any other like really good tips for, you know, if you're going for low hanging fruit things, you know, advice you'd give the audience as far as, you know, let's say, you know, putting this, you know, going after this kind of content and the, and trying to get these wins. Yeah, definitely. Um, I think maybe you probably heard it everywhere, but, but put the answer in the top of your article. Don't, don't, if you're writing, let's say you're writing, a, a, an answer article you're trying to answer a question instead of writing a ton of content where you go around the subject and then in the end then you answer the question just answer it at the top because that's the best user experience and don't worry about people who click away they would have done that anyway they would have scrolled to the bottom and and seen the answer just put the answer at the top and then continue to write because those who want a more elaborate answer they want to go down in your article and continue to read but by you putting the answer in the top of the article, that creates a great user experience. The user gets the answer as fast as possible and they're happy because then they don't go back to Google and go to one of your competitors' website. And then the competitors' website gets the positive notes from Google because they got the answer there. 
it's it's a small change. You basically just have to move the bottom part to the top of the article. It takes no time, but it's it's the results are fantastic. Yeah. Okay. Well, this has been you know a great conversation, Philip. How would people get a hold of you? You know, they need a you know. I say you're a specialist in technical SEO. So, how do they reach you? Yeah, I'm very active on Twitter under my my full name. Uh, where I share both all the tools that I review and what I think about it and, and tips and tricks that I learn along the way when I experiment with SEO basically. So Twitter is the best place to reach me. And if you want to know more about me, then you can do it on my website, which is basically my name.com. Okay. This has been another great episode. We've been talking about low-hanging fruit for SEO. My name is Cash Miller. I'm the host of Marketing Masters, CEO of Titan Digital, and we'll see you on the next episode. Thank you for tuning in to Marketing Masters, the agency power show. This show is produced by Titan Media Works and is a part of the Small Business Delivered Podcast Network. Check out smallbusinessdelivered.com for more info about upcoming shows, hosts, programs, and how you can start your very own podcast.